0: Amen. Amen. All right, let's open our Bibles to the book of Acts tonight. Acts chapter number two this evening. Where have we been? Acts 2. We've got uh, the day of Pentecost. Peter has stood up and he has delivered that great message, that wonderful first message of the church. The church started with preaching, and the church will end with preaching, and uh, everything in between has been preaching, amen, and uh, amen? Okay, just make sure y'all's agreeing with me, I didn't know, didn't nobody say, Uh, but we will pick up our reading this evening as we look at the results of this great message that Peter preached, and how that had an impact, and uh, get a glimpse into uh, what the first church was all about. There's a word that's thrown around a lot in our day, old-timey. Well will be old-timey. Well, let's think about that a little tonight. I want you to think about that. We read these verses. Think about what that means. Uh, somebody said, well, we want to have church like Mammal had church. That's old-timey. But if Mama's church wasn't scriptural, then it was new timey when Mamal was alive, right? That was new. To- is that even a word? New timey It was new timey then. What is old timey What old uh, What old-timey is is uh, we'll look here at the church, the very first church. This is the first church service. It's hard to get any more old timey than the very first church service. So let's see what the let's see what the uh, what the Word of God has to say to us. I'm preaching tonight. On the results of Pentecost. The results of Pentecost. Let's look together at verse 37. Now when they heard this, talking about the message that Peter had preached. When they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? So I'm going to start I'm gonna start right there. We're going to come down through all these verses, try to finish out chapter number 2 tonight. But I'm going to start right there. And the very first thing that I want to point out is verse number 37. I want to talk to you about the pricking. Look what he said. Then, and when they'd heard this, they were pricked in their hearts. So Peter preached. Uh, of course, we know the Holy Spirit has come. It's uh, where the Holy Spirit had empowered the church. Peter preached on the inspiration And leadership of the Spirit. And the effect of that kind of preaching. Was that it did something in their heart. I say to you tonight that a lot of times we can have things that might work on our mind. Something that might appeal to our intellect. Something that might appeal to our emotions. But until we have heart work. We don't have work at all. So that message pricked these men that were listening to it, and it pricked them in the heart. So if there is this pricking. We might call this conviction power. Can I say that one of the very first things that I see about the infant church is that it was loaded with conviction power. And uh, I believe that... Uh, That any time the Holy Spirit is real in a service, it comes with heavy conviction. Boy, there's been times in my life when God reveals things to me and it's hard to explain. It's hard to explain how it makes you feel. It's not a cognitive thing. It's not a thinking thing. It's deeper than that. It hurts in here. You know that what God is showing you, it's touching you down deep on the inside. And that's the way they described it here. They said, what what Peter had to say, boy, that pricked me in my heart. It's like somebody took a, a, a needle and went inside of me and pricked me in my heart. That's what, that's what got my attention. It pricked me in my heart. Now watch this. Look at their problem. We're still in verse 37. They said, what shall we do? And you see, any time... Brother Colton, that there's preaching under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. And any time there is a pricking of the heart, there comes a time where a man has to look and say, what am I going to do about this? See, that's really what the preaching of the gospel is all about. That's what church is all about, is to get people to the place where they'll say, okay, we have received truth. Now, what is it that we're going to do with the truth that we have received? And so these men had received this truth and they had been pricked in the heart by it. And Peter had preached very forcefully to them. And, but what ended up happening was that they said, what shall we do? What are we going to do with this? Uh, what, what, what do you want us to do? What, what is it that we need to do? We know, how, we know we have a problem. What do we need to do about it? Well, that's a common question throughout the book of Acts. I think, I'm thinking about another time was that Acts 16, the Philippian jailer said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And so you see what happened there again was that the Holy Spirit moved in the Philippian jail and it pricked that jailer in the heart and the question naturally was, what must I do? Can I say that one of the problems of our churches these days, particularly independent Baptist churches, and I, I'm an independent Baptist and I love independent Baptists, but a lot of times we're good at preaching the problem. Uh, we're good at pointing out the issue. Uh, we're good at saying hell's hard. Uh, But we're not real good at telling people what they need to do about it to get it fixed. Uh, And that's exactly what this man said. What I need to do. What do you want? What what, what should I do? I've got a a heaviness of heart. The the church is just getting started. They'd never heard the gospel. This is the first time it ever was preached. Uh, But they said, what shall we do? What do you want us to do? Now watch this. Verse 38 shows us that after the problem... There's a prescription. Peter has the answer. Verse number 38, Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin that you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So let's talk about that statement that Peter makes right there. The very first thing that he says is repent. Repent. Now what does it mean to repent? I'm going to preach a little bit on this Sunday. Uh, we're going to finally get into verse 2 of Romans 12. What does it mean to repent? Uh, can anybody in here define repentance? Anybody want to take a stab? One of you boys want to take a stab at it? What would you say, Billy, the definition of repentance? I know you always got something to say. Repentance is a turning away from. So a, a turning away from or a turning unto. That's a, that's a very common definition. That's a, that's a definition I've read a lot of. Of Bible dictionaries. Uh, Another thought is that repentance is a turn of mind. It's a changing the way. In other words, it's this. It's when you think about your sin the same way God thinks about your sin. That's repentance. When I get to the place where I think about me the way God thinks about me, then I've changed my mind about me. That's repentance. Repentance. And so these, and Peter said, if you're going to get right with God, the first thing you're going to have to do is repent. Now we have this movement within the within the Baptist circle that says repentance is a work. And I've, I've run into some of them fellows. A lot of them are Calvinists. You run into some of them, well, repentance is a work. And they say, well, repentance, you know, repentance is a work. And, and you don't do any works to get saved, all those things. What I'm going to tell you tonight is that even though, they may say that, they sound real intellectual, and they throw out all kinds of different ideas. I'm going to tell you that the very first church message in the New Testament, when Peter said, when these lost men asked Peter, what should we do? You know what Peter said? Peter said, you better repent. That is that movement. That, that belief on the Lord Jesus Christ, that agreeing with God about your sin, that being pricked in the heart, and instead of you rebelling, instead of you saying, no, God, that's wrong, instead you say, yeah, God, that's right. What you've said's right. What I do is wrong. That's that act of repentance. That's turning and putting faith in Christ. And that's the very first thing that Peter said a man had to do to be saved. So repent. Then Peter said, be baptized. Now, Let's think about this baptism. Uh, there's two, bapti- two, two baptisms. One baptism you get, you get instantly, the you get saved. That is you get baptized into the body of Christ. That happens instantaneous. The moment I stepped out of my pew that night to get saved and put my faith in Christ and agreed with him about my sin, that very moment I got baptized into the body of Christ, and that's all I needed to go to heaven. Nothing more, nothing less. I was on my way. If a a bomb had dropped on me, that very instant, I'd have died and went to heaven because I had been baptized in the body of Christ. And then there is the outward baptism of the believer. That is saying I'm saved, I've been born again, but I'm gonna show forth my being born again By being baptized. Oh, it's a beautiful picture, isn't it? It's the death, the burial, and the resurrection. Sometimes I'm afraid that we we take for granted in the church that everybody understands everything. And so we skip over what we would call elementary things like baptize. But do you know there's probably people sitting in here tonight that really don't know the significance of baptizing. It's showing forth the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's saying when you go and be baptized in the river or when you get baptized in a baptistry, it's saying I am identifying with the Lord's death, with his burial, and with his resurrection. And so Peter said, listen. uh, he said the first thing you need to do is repent. Then you're going to be baptized into the body of Christ. The instant that happens, uh, you're going to be baptized into the body of Christ. Uh, and he said all of that will lead to the remission of sin. Watch this, the remission of sin. That is that is, agreeing, repenting, agreeing with God, being baptized in the body of Christ. Peter said that would remit your sins. Now that word remission is interesting You know what that word remission means? It means to carry away the load. To carry away the load. It means that you pick up a a load, a, a big heavy load. You've been carrying it and bearing it. It's been burdening you down. But Peter said the instant you get saved, the Lord takes that load and He takes it off of your back and He places it on Christ's account. And suddenly you have the remission of sin. Aren't you glad tonight that when you get saved, you get the remission of sin? I don't know about anybody else, but when I was lost in my sin, I was on my way to hell. I was a hell deserving sinner. I'm going to report to you tonight, thank God, that I'm no longer on my way to hell. I've had my sins remitted. Amen. I've repented of my sin. I've made it right with God. I've been baptized in the body of Christ. And now my sins have been remitted. Watch this. There's this prescription. And then there's this promise. There's this promise. This is interesting. He ends verse number 38 with the Holy Ghost. Watch it. And ye shall receive the gift of God of the Holy Ghost what know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost that's what, Peter, or what Paul said Paul looked at them Corinthians and he said Corinthian church you're living sensually you're living on the edge you're doing things that are that are ungodly that you hadn't ought to do Paul scratches his head and says what Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? God lives in here. Amen. See? God lives in here. That's the reason I'm I'm a firm believer in, I'm I'm a firm believer in standards, all those things, because God lives in here. And so Peter said there's coming a promise, and the promise is that the third person of the Holy Ghost is <laughs> gonna move on the inside. That gives me Holy Ghost goosebumps just like. Said the third person of the Holy Ghost is going to move on the inside. What a promise! That great spirit that was moving in that place that night wasn't just moving in that place. It had come to dwell. He had come to dwell inside the hearts of men. It's not just something I feel at church. It's something I take outside the church doors. It's something that testifies to me in the middle of the night. It's something that helps me. He's something that helps me when I get up in the morning. That is the Holy Ghost Spirit of God. And that's the promise. Now watch it. Look here. He said there in verse number 39 For this prop for the promise is unto you, watch it now, and to your children, and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Peter said, "There's a promise coming. His name's the Holy Ghost. He's going to end the well ever believer." But it's not just you. But it's going to be, it's going to be good for your younguns, and then these people that you don't even know anything about on the other side of the planet, it's going to be good for them, amen? And these people thousands of years from now, it's going to be good for them. It don't matter, thank God, what color your skin is, where you've been or what you've done. Peter said it's gonna be good for every one of you. It's the promise of the church. It's the indwelling of the Holy Ghost Spirit of God and it is essential to our belief. Let's see what he said. He said it's a promise to those that are afar off. Now we're on the other side of the planet from where, this, from where Pentecost happened, but I'm glad the promise of the Holy Ghost is the good to those that are afar off. Now just think about it. So uh, the very first church service, they had conviction. Then in the very first church service, they had a, a prescription for what to do that was wrong. Then in the very first church service, they had the promise of the Spirit. But then I want you to notice this more this evening that the very first church service, they had the production of the message. Look what he said, verse 40. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then look at verse 41. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. Watch this. That word, untoward generation, in verse number 40. That that word literally means crooked. Peter said, "Y'all live in an, a crooked society. You live in a crooked generation, an untoward." He said, "Listen. He said there's only one way to get out of this untoward generation, and that is through repentance and belief on the Lord Jesus Christ." Amen. I'll tell you something. We live in a very corrupt world. Amen. Crooked. This world's crooked. See. And there's no hope for it. Also, there's a lot of programs out there that's going to reform society, but it never reforms society. And I mean, uh, was it LBJ that or no FDR that started the, the New Deal and the, all these different social programs that was going to reform society and everybody was going to be happy and everything was going to work out fine after FDR's New Deal and all those things. But none none of that has helped. If anything, it's worse. No programs, and the reason is the devil is the prince and the power of the air. I've been preaching this stuff for weeks, weeks. The devil and his oppression. Boy, you wait till we get to Sunday. It's a push Eli toward conformity. You know what? And I I don't want to get into Sunday's message, but it keeps getting on me just a little bit. You know what the devil wants out of the out of the church? Just to walk the line. Just to do what he says. You know, that's the way the devil looks at it. Is that so hard? Just do what I say. Just just conform. Just push into into my mold here. Just do what I tell you to do. That is the devil's desire. Well, you see right here, Peter said, listen, he said, you're living in a crooked and a a perverse generation, uh, an untoward generation, said, you've got a problem. He said, the only way out of it, uh, and the only way to be saved from it is through and by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, watch. Then they that gladly received his word. That word gladly means to welcome with joy. I heard, I heard that preaching, they said, Yeah, boy, that's what we want. That's a miracle. Because